We, uh, last week, completed our study uh, through First Peter, so I thought it would be uh, a good time just to go right into Second Peter. But uh, before we jump into the text, before we jump into verse by verse, as we have done, we're just going to sort of overview uh, this afternoon, Second Peter, uh, talk about some of the themes of it as well. Uh, and, and then uh, the lesson will be yours here in a moment. But uh, Dottie Rambo, that might be a name that's familiar uh, to you. She is a songwriter, uh, recording artist, and she wrote a hymn uh, that actually we don't have in our songbooks here. But uh, the, the songbooks I'm a little bit more familiar with, uh, she has a hymn called Remind Me, Dear Lord. Maybe you've heard of that. Maybe you've sung that before. She was actually born in Madisonville, Kentucky. So she's a native Kentuckian. Uh, but the, the song that she wrote, and she actually does have a few songs in our songbooks, just not this particular one. This one that she wrote called Remind Me of Dear Lord is one that I remember, uh, recall quite a bit. And the chorus, again, if you're familiar with it, goes, you know, roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember, I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. You know, we're forgetful people, right? The, uh, they often say that uh, we remember 10% of what we hear and 20% of what we read. Well, you know what that means. Uh, you know, you're probably only going to recall 10% of this lesson here this evening on average, right? Uh, some things just, they don't stick as well as others. There was, there was a book that they made us read in school called um, Made to Stick, it was, a, it was a book trying to teach how to, you know, make lessons that are memorable, that people can remember. And I'll never forget one of the uh, illustrations that they gave in the book. It talked about uh, how in the 1980s, the state of Texas had a terrible, terrible littering problem. As a matter of fact, they were spending $25 million a year on anti uh, littering campaign and picking up the trash that was going on and you know they were finding out that signs like please don't litter or uh, pitch in these weren't working right those types of ads were just preaching to the choir but they weren't getting the message home to the people that they really wanted to get the message home to the, the people that they were litter or the people that were littering and they found you know not to typecast anyone but they found that the person more most likely to litter was male was 18 to 35, was a pickup driving guy who liked sports and country music and didn't like authority, right? Signs like don't, uh, don't or give a hoot, don't pollute, you know, those things had no bearing on the person that littered. And so they needed to find a more convincing way to get through to them. And so uh, the, the campaign that was born was don't mess with Texas. And the very first uh, commercial that they, uh, they made was a couple of Dallas Cowboys, a couple of defensive ends, these big guys, uh, two tall uh, Ed Jones and Randy White. And if you remember this commercial back in the 80s, you know, two tall uh, Jones came and said, you know, if you saw the guy who threw this can, you know, I've got a message for him. And then Randy White said, yeah, I got a message for him, too. And he crushes the can in his hand. And he says, well, I kind of need to see him to deliver it. And then Too Tall says, don't mess with Texas. And that was such a memorable commercial that it was so successful that a bunch more athletes and Texas celebrities joined the campaign and had their own uh, commercials. And what they found was over a five-year period, about 72% of that problem of littering decreased in the state of Texas because uh, they got the message, you know, remember, Texans don't litter. 
Well, again, not everything sticks. You know, not everything is, is, uh, works like that ad campaign, Don't Mess With Texas. God knows that we are humans. You know, we're limited in our memory. You know, Paul and Peter often write in their epistles that, you know, when I was here, I told you about this, but now I'm writing to remind you. And that really is going to be our theme in Second Peter. Uh, Peter is going to, in chapter 1, tell, re, tell them, you know, you need to remember the words spoken about Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, it's all about remembering the words spoken about false teachers. In chapter 3, remember the words spoken about the day. And of course, the day is in reference to the day of judgment. But we're going to see Peter write uh, things like this. In, in chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, he says, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you, I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder. You know, and then we get to chapter 3, verse 1, and he says, uh, This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you, by which I am stirring you up, your sincere mind, by way of reminder, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Throughout this letter, Peter's going to keep saying, remember this, remember that. And today, again, we're just going to introduce Second Peter. And then um, in the later months, uh, not next week, because next week is a fifth Sunday. And so our young men will lead worship that evening service. But the first August, August Sunday, we'll begin our study in Second Peter. But what I just want to talk to you in short tonight is, you know, let's think of some of the ways how Peter got this letter to stick in the minds of its readers, how he, as he wanted to, again, how he stirred them to remembrance. And so the first thing I want us to notice, you know, his strategy for reminding them is that he reminds them in this letter by mentioning them who the author is, who the true author is. Second Peter chapter 1 Verses 20 and 21, notice Peter says, But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoken from God. And Peter says, listen, Scripture is not someone's opinion, nor is it man-made. Rather, it's divinely uh, superintended by God via the Holy Spirit. You know, God used men like Peter and Paul, Matthew, Luke to record uh, his word through their, you know, their pen, through their hands. And these men who were writing uh, the scriptures, you know, it, weren't, it wasn't as if they were in a trance, as if they were uh, taken over by the Holy Spirit and was some sort of robot just writing what God wanted them to know. But we see when we read these uh, letters that they're using their own quirks, they're using their own vocabulary and and knowledge to write God's word to us. You know, if it was simply God writing this through each of these men, wouldn't we see the letters all be the same, be using the same style, be using the same vocabulary? But again, Peter's writings are different from Paul's and Luke's writings are different from John and, and we understand that. But they wrote exactly what God wanted them to say, and they did that without error. There, there's a word that we often use when it comes to uh, the inspiration of the scriptures, and it's verbal plenary. Verbal plenary. And that just simply means the, the verbal part that every word uh, exists because God permitted it. And the plenary part means that uh, it's in full. Uh, all scripture is inspired by God. The entirety of the Bible is inspired. You know, Jesus said every jot and tittle right, of the Old Testament uh, would be fulfilled 
and all scripture, Paul said, is God breathed. Second Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is inspired by God. Inspired means God breathed. God breathed out these words through these men who wrote them down. And sort of the illustration of verbal plenary, maybe to help us think about it a little bit more, is like putting on a glove, putting on a mitt, uh, where you know all of your fingers you know fit it perfectly. Uh, into those holes. You know, sometimes you could put on a glove and you might get your pinky and your ring finger stuck in that same hole, right? Well, when you put it on and you put it on perfectly, that's, that's the idea of verbal plenary, that every piece fits. Every piece fits in whole. God gave them what they needed to write. Look, look at Second Peter chapter 3 again, verses 1 and 2. I just read this to you, but again, Peter says, Uh, Especially in verse 2, it says that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Again, remember the words spoken by uh, the holy prophets or remember the words, the commands of the Lord spoken by the apostles. You know, if you ever heard someone say, you know, all you need to do is simply follow the red letters in uh, the Bible. That's all you need or just Jesus's words. Well, notice what Jesus himself said in John chapter uh, 14, uh, verse 26. Jesus said, uh, when he's talking to his apostles, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then in chapter 16, verse 13, uh, again, Jesus says this, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Right? The, the, Jesus said that there's going to be a time where I'm going to leave the earth. Right? I'm going to die, be crucified, uh, raised again, but I'm going to go to heaven. Uh, but while you're still on earth, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to give you the words uh, some things that I did, just didn't have a chance to teach you, and you are going to then pass those things on. You're going to write those things down. The apostles' writings are scripture. That's what Peter says here. And the reason why these books and letters uh, that we have exist thousands of years later was because the early church recognized them as holy. You know, I'd love the opportunity to, to maybe t- teach a class or a sermon on how we got the Bible because I think it's just so fascinated, fascinating. But you, when you learn about how these, uh, these men the, the, they took such meticulous care of copying and preserving these scriptures. You know, if a scribe was writing a passage in Isaiah and maybe he got, you know, halfway through and he um, messed up a word or, uh, you know, accidentally started a new line somewhere else. You know what they would do with those uh, scriptures, uh, that piece of you know, parchment that they were writing on? They would light it up. They would set it on fire. They would destroy it because they did not want it to get into the wrong hands of someone read God's word with maybe a mistake in it. Uh, That's how serious they were about copying God's word and why we have uh, so many different uh, manuscripts available today for us to, to learn from. Because they realized that this wasn't Peter's word, this wasn't their word, but this was God's word. Again, the author of scripture is God. And so we should remember that and take it seriously. Because the creator of the universe wants us to know about him, and the Bible is how we do that. Right? And so that's one of the first points I want to make in this letter is that Peter reminds them in a couple of places 
that the author of this letter is God, and that's why they need to take it seriously. Secondly, he reminds them by mentioning the Old Testament lessons. You know, it just wasn't too long ago that we celebrated Fourth of July, right? And when I was a kid, um, I remember this one time when I wanted to impress some of the neighborhood kids. And so there was some sparklers, you know, those sparkler things. There were some sparklers that were sitting on our front porch that had been sitting there for a couple of days. And, you know, I took one of those and I ran it, you know, through my fingers and kind of this glitter, you know, went everywhere and it was really cool. And so I wanted to impress the the neighborhood kids uh, this. And so, uh, again, there were some sprinklers that we had just used and they were laying there on the ground. And so I said, hey, watch this, guys. And so I took it and ran it through my fingers. And the next thing I know, I'm making a beeline home because I had just burnt my fingers because what I had realized was, you know, the ones that I did the other day, they had been sitting out a couple of days. They were cold. They, they had time to dry, but these were still hot and they burnt my fingers. So whenever I see those sparklers, you know, I remind myself to uh, tell my children, you know, not to touch those things because I want them to learn from my past mistakes. Right? I want them to learn from my history. Well, Peter's doing the same thing here in this letter. You know, one reason Peter is writing this letter that I've already mentioned in chapter 2 is to combat false teaching that's going on. And Peter's going to say, here's how they act, and this is what God's going to do to them. And Peter brings up many different Old Testament references that we're going to be able to study. He brings up Noah again. He says, you know, Noah did not spare the world, but brought a flood in the days of, of people living in unrighteousness. And then he mentions Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, God did not spare these cities. He mentions Lot, you know, righteous Lot. Uh, his, his life, his soul was being tormented day by day, living at the gates of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God delivered him, saved him from that environment. And then even in verses 15 and 16 of 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter brings up Balaam. You know, that's, Balaam's not someone that we study too much, and I'm hoping that we'll have a lesson on him maybe on a Sunday morning in a couple of weeks so that we'll get familiar with him before we study him in 2 Peter chapter 2. But um, if you remember Balaam, he loved the wages of unrighteousness, right? He was trying to make money uh, cursing God's people. And again, Peter brings him up as an example of a false teacher, well, remember Paul wrote in Romans 15, 4, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through the, inscri- the inspired scriptures, we may have hope. You know, again, things uh, that were written in the Old Testament are written for you and I's instruction, for our learning, for our hope. You know, you and I understand that we live under the New Testament, the New Covenant. The Old Testament, or the Old Covenant was for the Jews. You know, we don't worship based on Old Testament regulations. We're not under the authority of the Old Testament. The blood of Jesus was shed for the new covenant. That's the covenant that we follow. But we study these accounts in the Old Testament, number one, because, you know, we need to know a little bit about the Old Testament to know some of the New Testament, right? The book of Revelation is full of Old Testament analogies that it would be helpful for us to know the Old Testament to understand the book of Revelation. But number two, and really more importantly, is we learn principles in the Old Testament that God still um, has for us today. You think of the Ten Commandments that, that were given in the book of Exodus. Those Ten Commandments, we are no longer under the Ten Commandments today. Now, when you get to the New Testament, however, you do read that nine of those Ten Commandments are still, uh, you know, th- those things are still in place by God. You know, thou shalt not murder and steal. God still commands us not to do those things. 
uh, other than you know, keeping the Sabbath. That's not part of uh, the New Testament covenant anymore. But we learn those principles in the Old Testament. We go back to the Old Testament and find out how God treated those things then and there. And we uh, apply those uh, again in the New Testament. Well, Peter brings up the Old Testament accounts to remind his, repeat, his readers not to repeat history. And again, that's another um, great uh, strategy that Peter does. And then finally, uh, the, the last point that I want to make is that he reminds them by mentioning, mentioning their temporary existence. There was a country music duo not too long ago, a husband and wife by the name of Rory and Joey. You know, you're probably familiar with them if you listen to country music at all. And they composed a song in 2012 called, you know, When I'm Gone. And the song was a touching song. Uh, if you ever watched the, the video to it, the premise of it is, you know, is that, that she passes away and he's all alone. And he's, but he's constantly being reminded of her and things are going to get tough. But, you know, she says throughout that song, you know, you, you still have the memories. Will you still be reminded of me? But ironically, you know, in real life, if you, you recall the, this um, group, uh, Joey actually did pass away in 2016 to cancer. And I remember it was such a touching uh, time uh, about that. And thinking back on that song that, you know, hauntingly that they recorded together uh, about, you know, remembering me when I'm gone. Well, Peter does that too. Again, look at Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Notice what he says to these Christians here. He says, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. You see, you see, understand what Peter's saying there? He says, when I'm long gone, when I'm buried in the ground, and when I've received my reward... And, you know, I'm not going to be around forever, but while I'm still here in the, the flesh, while I'm still here on the earth, I'm going to remind you of these things. But when I'm gone, I also want you to recall those things that I taught you. You know, when someone says those things, you know, it makes our ears perk up, doesn't it? Uh, you know, this is serious stuff that he wants us to remember. In chapter 3... And then I'll be excited when we can study chapter 3 together because this is the context here is the second coming of Jesus Christ. I think we're familiar with verse 9 uh, where it says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But then when he gets to verses 10 through 13, what a memorable passage. What a passage to remember. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. You know, that's a passage that, you know, perks our ears up, doesn't it? 
Like a thief in the night, the heavens will pass away. The elements will be destroyed with an intense heat. You know, basically saying everything that we own is basically going to be kindling, right? Because this earth is going to uh, pass away in this fire. But, uh, but he says, according to his promise, you know, everything's going to be okay for those who are, who are godly and holy and live and conduct themselves in godliness. You know, Peter directs them. You know, that's what he's doing. He's directing them to their temporary existence to remind them of his words. Again, I'm looking forward to studying Second Peter with you uh, starting in August. And again, we are humans and we forget things. And so it's necessary that we go through uh, these writings, the, these sacred writings, these holy scripture, and to notice these things that Peter wants us to remember. Again, don't forget who wrote the scriptures. When we read the scriptures, when we pay attention to the scriptures, don't forget who wrote that. Recall those lessons that we've learned in the past. You know, let, let, let's study those Old Testament lessons, uh, not because they don't have value, not because we're not under the authority of the Old Testament, but because we can learn from those things. And again, our time is fleeting. We never know when he will return. So as Peter says, be ready, and I'm going to re- remind you. But here's the ultimate reminder. Here's the ultimate reminder that I want you to look at in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. This is, I've often referred to this as one of the scariest verses in the New Testament that I uh, remember reading as a young Christian. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Uh, Peter says this about the, fa- the false teachers, those who became Christians but then turned away from Christ. Uh, notice in verse 20, uh, 21, he says, For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn away from the holy commandments handed on to them. Peter says, it would be better for them to have never have known God's glory, of God's grace, of, of the gospel of Jesus, than to have known it and then turned away from it. And again, that is the ultimate reminder uh, that Peter wants them to understand. And so this evening, uh, as we you know, offer the invitation, don't let your decision eternally be too late. We're, we're going to be reminded of the things that, that God wants us to remember uh, in, in this letter that Peter is going to uh, write. And this evening, if, or this afternoon, if we can help you in any way, if you're ready to become a Christian, great. We would love the opportunity to study with you or help you put Christ on in baptism. Uh, or if you need the prayers of this congregation, you need to ask for forgiveness. If there's any need that you need, please let us know as together we stand and sing.